everybody. This is Dina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And I have another treat for you guys today. I'm doing something. uh, I've done this once before, but it's a little different. I've got two nurses on with me today. They have their own podcast. As you guys know, I love having other nurse podcasters on to do the show. Hey, Hannah and Kristen, how are you guys? Good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited to get to do this. I have appeared on your podcast. Maybe not hasn't released yet, but uh, we recorded the show anyway. Tell everybody about your podcast before we get started with our Good Nurse, Bad Nurse stories. So I'm Hannah. I'm Kristen. And uh, we're podcast hosts for a podcast called Nurses in the No Show. We do a podcast basically on a little bit of everything all about nursing. We started the podcast to really just see what else was out there besides typical bedside nursing and um, the typical NP CRNA route post as a postgraduate option. And so we just, why am I getting all nervous? (laughs) (laughs) So basically what Hannah's trying to say, um, here at Nurses in the No Show on our podcast, we do a lot of different things. We interview influencers. We interview um, different nurses um, besides bedside. We've done infection prevention. We've done remote nursing, travel nursing. We, We do kind of a little bit of everything. Our main focus is essentially making other nurses in the know as well. Because Hannah and I sat down on literally what we call a manic Monday and brainstormed (laughs) all of these different aspects of nursing. And we looked at each other and said, you know, why is it that we don't know everything there is to know about nursing? I mean, in nursing school, they say, okay, you do your ED, ICU, OB, PEDS, or med surge or PCU job, and that's it. Nobody talks to us about informatics. Nobody says, hey, um, outside of nurse practitioner CRNA, there are other things that you can do, right? So that's something that Hannah and I wanted to bring and give back to the profession that both of us enjoy so much. I love it. Oh my gosh, you guys. That's wonderful. It's so needed. It's so necessary. I love that you're doing this. Thanks. We love talking about it, despite me jumping... See, I can't even talk. I see myself on the screen. We're <laughs> podcasters. We're not YouTubers. So when I see myself on the video camera, I'm like, whoa, what do I say? <laughs> Who is that girl? <laughs> did I even shower today? No, I'm just kidding. I totally did. Oh, come on. It's, it's 2021. No one showers anymore. <laughs> true, true. I mean, <laughs> Hannah goes out in public and has to take care of patients still. She showers. <laughs> Ooh, do I? <laughs> So uh, thanks for having us on the show. We're really excited about it. I don't know if your episode is going to air for first or our episode is going to air first, but we're, we're excited nonetheless. Well, you, I think this is going to be a great episode. I love your energy. And I guess we can get started with our, our bad uh, nurse story. It is a bad doctor story this week. Um, and it is a very tragic story. I have to do another trigger warning. I feel like I've been doing a lot of these lately. I don't know how this happens. I think I just get in moods where I, I must just get on the same theme. I don't know. Uh, but I definitely want to let you guys know if you're listening to this, this does talk, we do discuss uh, domestic violence. We discuss suicide. And I just, I just want to make sure that you're aware of that. If that's something that could trigger you in any way and it's just something you'd rather not listen to, just maybe sit this one out because I definitely would not want to be uh, responsible, you know, for anyway, if, if something that bothers you in particular, just wanted to make you aware. It is some heavy, heavy content that we're going to be talking about today. Although um, I do believe that the victim in this story deserves to be heard. And it's a subject matter that I talk about a lot on this podcast. 100%. And that's violence against mm-hmm, violence against women. And we talk about it a lot. I'm all about advocating for for women. Hello, that's me, right? So, but not just advocating for people that look like me, uh, for all of us. And uh, yeah. black women in particular, people of women of color. And we're going to talk about that later on when we get to the good nurse story. So, um, and standing up for each other not just people that look like us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can get started. This is about Dr. Timothy Jordan. So Dr. Timothy Jordan was 49 years old. Uh, He had been in the military in his his lifetime. He spent 18 years in the military. He had army weapons training, earned several medals and commendations while he was in the army. And being a medic in the army, that's actually what inspired him to study medicine when he got out. He graduated from the University of, of Buffalo in 1996 and then was certified by the American Board of Surgeons in 2004. 
He was a trauma surgeon. And then our victim is Jackie Wisniewski. She was 33 years old, a nursing student and receptionist at Erie County Medical Center. And she had a four-year-old boy. Hmm. So the way this sort of, I guess, just to sort of get started with this, it's it's a difficult uh, This is a tough matter. one. It yeah. is. It's hard. It's like there's not going to be, uh, there's not going to be any comic relief in this story, no, unfortunately. No. We're not going to. And I'm a joke too, be, so this one's tough for me. So I'm like, ugh, I can't yeah. make a joke about this. I know. I am too. I like to, I like to laugh at things that aren't even funny just because like it's a way for me to kind of cope with yeah. uh, darkness. Yeah. And yet I can't, there's no, I don't feel like there's any part of me that's going to like try to make a joke out of anything in the story. There's literally nothing. It's very that isn't sad. heavy. Yeah. So in 2011, Jackie was Newski. She was in nursing school. She had an adorable little boy. She really, I'm sure, thought she had it all. Good job as a receptionist, uh, bright future in nursing, handsome live in doctor boyfriend. But you know, as well as I do, that things are not always as they seem. No. Yeah. Dr. Jordan definitely had a mean streak in 2003. He had had some issues in the past before all of this kind of started for domestic disturbances. But as you know, th- th- that's usually the case, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting it, that it that happened in 2003 and then he became board certified in 2004. So mm-hmm. how did I he, mean, how did that happen? Like someone didn't want to mess up his career, so they didn't take it or pursue it any further, is my assumption of what I've read and and seen, yeah. but you you just never know because think about it. I mean, he's uh he was in the military, you know, he's a vet in that sense. They respected him from there and it was probably just brushed off as like a first time offense. Oh, second time, oh, he's just rough. He might drink too much, you know. The the common excuses that a lot of people see. Well, he's gonna be a used. surgeon. So, you know, right. surgeons are rough around the edges anyways. And trauma, that that fits a personality. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's not that's not necessarily how it should be. This story is way too common. I, f- yeah, I feel like it people, is. people it is. know. Yeah. <sighs> You get manipulated and your lives became so intertwined. It's hard to just, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he did, uh, he started having multiple affairs with different people. Mm. And that was sort of the last straw for her. And she decided to finally do what seemed to be impossible. And that was to break it off yeah. and actually leave him. And that was incredible. That was really, really awesome of her. It is. But it just enraged him. Yeah. He started stalking her. When uh, she went to the police because he was making these threatening phone calls, stalking her. And so when she went to the police and they started investigating, they found a GPS tracking device on her Mm. car that is so creepy. Yeah. I mean, just to think of, uh, man, someone tracking your every movement and you have no idea, you know, this person is is out there and you know how controlling they are and how mad mad they are at you. and, and then it's to crazy because wow. now, like, this was, what, 2012? Now people, like, can track your phone super easily and, like, just yeah. turn your, where's your, you know, find my friends on and you don't even oh, realize yeah. your find your friends is on for that person. Right. Like, or, they don't even have to put a device on your car anymore. Exactly. Or if these people are on Snapchat and they have yeah. it public as to where yeah. they're at. And so their every movement is being, yeah, it's, it's, people are making themselves a little too available to other people. And I do think this is a cautionary tale for anyone listening to this. There are a lot of, obviously, a lot of females listen. There are a lot of men as well, but there are a lot of females yeah. listening to this podcast. So you guys think about that. Um, you know, when you're on the dating websites and you're yeah. on Snapchat and all the different social, forms of social media, there are ways for people to find out. You can be sitting in a coffee shop and if you're on Instagram and you have that location turned on where people can see where you are and someone's literally sitting there, um, they can look, they can get on Instagram and look on their location and see who's nearby. Yeah. So creepy. So creepy. Mm -hmm. So just be careful and cognizant of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and aware of your surroundings. It's not, why is it necessary to make yourself available for people to know where you are at all times? It's really not. Unless it's your mom and you're on a date. <laughs> well, you know, that's what she you, tells me. <laughs> no, I, 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 a hundred percent agree, Kristen. That is true. But that, that's your, that's your family. That's not like yeah, 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 this yeah. guy that you met or this, this girl that you met two seconds or the ago, general public. Right, yeah, right, right, right. I mean, no, low key. I have my brother, my sister. Yes. Oh, I track them, and they're mind you, they're under the age of eighteen, so it's not weird. <laughs> Not really, we have anyways. Life 360. Yes. We, yeah. we all know where each other are. We all, everybody knows where everyone is at all times. It's so, it's the creepiest thing ever, but we don't mind it. Like we don't make yeah, our children safety. do that. It's they safety, but it's also want like, to do it. It, like, it's crazy that it can be used for something so great as safety and, you know, making sure just that relief knowing, you know, okay, my kid is at school. Like maybe you have a lot of anxiety about that. And and some mothers mm-hmm. do, you know, I just need, maybe they had some things that happened to them and they just want to check on, okay, yep, they're at school. Whereas yeah. then other people can use it for, for terrible things like, like this yeah. gentleman did. Well, he didn't have a phone on her, but. She used thing. a full-blown GPS tracking device. That, and but that was, I, even, I mean. That's even worse. That she didn't even know was there. Can you imagine? She, she's trying to get away from him. Yeah. And he, he knows. Well, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can know where you are. Oh gosh, it's just so disgusting. So she was afraid that she was going to ruin his his life and ruin his reputation if she went through with it, you know, with, I guess, the pressing charges. So she didn't. Mm. uh, She didn't press charges. Now, I will tell you that it shouldn't have mattered because those police, the police, they know that a crime has been committed and they could have pursued it if they wanted to. Yep. And they chose not to. Um, A couple months later in April, uh, there was an attempt made by a colleague's estranged husband. So this is a little bit of a a weird situation. This is a weird add twist to the story. I yeah. read it like three times. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, who's right. estranged husband? I was like, wait, she had yeah. a husband? The pronouns can get confusing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, whose husband? Where did this come? It like came out of left field. Right. And then Who I was are we like, talking oh. about? I figured it out. I'm like, oh, this is getting juicy, right? And then right. you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this man was just jaded. Like he threw the ex-wife and the doctor under the bus, but... I mean, Kristen, you're getting out of the story. Let her tell it. Let her tell I'm it. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's so. <laughs> sorry, this is us. No, it's. <laughs> it's he did so what true. He did what? Excuse me? I no, know. that's exactly what happened because apparently his assistant at the hospital, Tracy, mm. no. Tracy's the, yeah. hold on, Colleen, here, I'm getting confused. Mm-hmm. Colleen is is uh, an a, a assistant at the hospital that worked with Dr. Jordan, okay? They had had an affair, the two of it, consensual affair, Dr. Jordan and Colleen. Colleen is married to Tracy. So they separate because of this affair. Colleen confides in Tracy about some of the doctor's behavior. Now, I could just imagine this happening. Because Dr. Jordan is not just having an affair with Colleen. He's having affairs with Colleen and with other people mm-hmm. while he's in a relationship with... Yeah, he's got um, one on every floor. I can exactly. think of a few of those doctors. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I could see Colleen at one time or another talking negatively about the doctor to her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Yep. D- does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And so her, the ex-husband is going, wait, wait, what? What are you saying he's doing? Because if she's privy, she's a, she's a, a secretary there, or I, I really don't like that word, but um, an assistant there, and they uh, are ta- I guess in that role, you're going to be privy to things that go on, yeah. And she's going to see inappropriateness not only between the two of them, but she's going to see him interacting with other people. She's going to hear conversations. She's, she's going to be taking messages. Think she oh, knows yeah. everything What's going, that's going on. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and she probably knows that he's in a relationship too. And she probably sees some controlling behavior from oh, him, yeah. right? Especially she knows how he is. his assistant yes. or secretary or whatever word you want to use. Who knows if he hasn't even had her do some things, you yeah. know, to, to so so here she is confiding in her uh 
estranged estranged husband Tracy, and he's going, okay, not only am I ticked off at this person because they had an affair with my wife, but that's just wrong. What that he's doing? What, what? human does who? that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he decides to report this behavior to the hospital. And I'm sure there was probably some petty, you know, like, I'll, yes. I'll show you, I'll get you fired from the hospital, or at least at the very least get you in trouble or try to ruin your reputation because you had an affair with my wife. But that it doesn't change the fact that there was inappropriate um, behavior from Dr. Jordan. Yeah. And he was harassing women at work. So if allegations um, with proof behind them were not taken seriously by the police, police or the medical center, then did Jackie really have any recourse at all? You know, when you really think about it and how this all kind of went down, what could she have done differently? She left him. Uh, I I don't know. She didn't, she she doesn't really have a lot of options because she's, I mean, they work at the same place, right? She needs that income. She's got a a young child at home. She's in nursing school. You got to think about they're in New York. So cost of living there alone, she's probably got, I mean, let's be honest. She's, she's in nursing school. That's expensive. Having to figure out new housing and I don't know how they're billing or their, that was set up, but I'm assuming she's got this increased income, not income, but increased need for income. So that financial stressor is there. It's not like she can quit her job and completely cut ties with anything and everything associated with him. So, you know, that, like you said, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, you know, you can say, oh, well, which people are, for some reason, people love to blame the victim in situations like this. And quick to judge. Yeah. yeah. Quick to judge. But she did everything right. She did. She did. She did. Like, she did what she could. She did. She, I mean, I don't, it's tough. It's tough. And I think she, she did everything right. And I think it's important to note as nurses, when we have patients that come in and we suspect domestic violence, we cannot simply just, you can't, you have to pull them aside and you have to, you know, discuss tactfully. it. Tactfully, you have tactfully to pull them aside, yeah. And on their terms, and you can't just simply like report it to the police right away because we're not mandatory reporters for if you're over the age of 18 and you're, you know what I mean? And you're, you're not an elder and you're not, you know, so it's their choice, unfortunately, but for a reason, because if they don't have a plan and a safe plan in place to be able to leave these, you know, these domestic violent partners, then it can turn out very bad. And so sometimes as nurses, if we intervene too soon when the, when the patient or the, the perpetrator is perpetrator, still there, yeah. yeah, is, and they're not ready, we can actually cause more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, that that aspect uh, is a good takeaway as a nurse that although she did everything right, it's important to note that we need to be, you know, you know, assess your patient, obviously, and and talk to them. And if they're ready, you know, you can give them the domestic violence number and assess them away from the partner. But um, don't make a plan for them if they're not ready or if you're just right. their friend, don't make a plan for them if they're not ready, because if they're not ready, it's not going to end well. Yep. And that's, it's interesting that you said that, Hannah. We actually just interviewed not long ago a yeah, same Yeah, that's where it came to my mind. Yeah. And she was telling us the same, same thing. And, you know, we were asking her different tips. And if you find yourself as a nurse in this situation, it doesn't necessarily have to be your patient. It could be another colleague. It could be uh, just someone Anyone, at church yeah. or, yeah, I mean, someone at the grocery store. And you just, it's, it's all in the way that you approach the situation yeah. and keeping in mind that, the highest, like the highest the most percentage, right? Point. The high, yeah. exactly, is when they do leave. Thank yeah. you, Hannah. Yeah, I knew I, you were like, <laughs> I was like, highest, highest, highest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the most dangerous moment for them. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's, it's, and unfortunately, really sad. It, it was, it was for Jackie too, because that's what put her at, that's what put him, like Dr. Jordan, over the edge. And he just, he couldn't handle that someone would leave him and started acting erratically. And I, and I exactly. wonder if it was that she left him and he didn't leave her, especially if he was having, you know, various affairs. I mean, 
gallivanting with other individuals, like what was what was it really about Jackie that made her different that he decided to ultimately do what he did? You know what I mean? Because he couldn't I, control her and he exactly, could not. Exactly. This is always about control. It is, it's it never is. about love. It's not about them loving the person. We've said mm-hmm. that a million times on this podcast. It is not about love. Yeah, I, I sound yeah. like a broken record. I've I've said that so many times, but it's not about love. It's about control, period. Mm-hmm. And it's, ter- it, it honestly, it's terrible. And I mean, I'm almost willing to bet the whole farm that he has had issues with stalking women in the past. And yeah, these people don't just go zero to 60 overnight. You know right. what I mean? It's something that's... He had had a couple of incidences in the past before, before Jackie, um, and this was an escalation of that, which is what mm-hmm. usually happens because mm-hmm. they get comfortable. There's always red um, flags. Acting a certain way and they get away with it. They're yeah. allowed to get away with that behavior. And so then they progress to something bigger and something, yeah. you know, and, and more controlling. And then before you know it, they're completely out of control themselves. So although nothing was done about any of the stuff that had been going on with him, all of these events that had happened, him holding her hostage in their apartment, him holding her at knife point, even stabbing her, him try, uh, stalking her with the GPS. Nothing had been done. Neighbors, friends, colleagues, all the people around him noticed a drastic change in his personality. He stopped caring for his house. He, he stopped taking care of himself. He was losing a lot of weight, acting very erratically. And everyone around him noticed, but they just left him to deal with it on his own. And I would imagine he's probably the kind of person that if, you know, if you're like, hey, how you doing? Because you're worried about them. They're probably not going to let you in. Yeah. And probably not the easiest person in the world to try to to help in a situation like this. Because they really didn't know what was wrong. They just knew something wasn't right. Yeah. yeah. So they figured, oh, well, he's, he is going through a breakup and um, that will cause emotional problems and maybe he is physically sick. They didn't know, but it didn't appear anyone really tried to reach out and offer any help or look into him as being a serious threat, but he was. He was a very serious threat. So at 8 a.m. on June 13th in 2012, Dr. Jordan went looking for Jackie at work. He found her and he shot her. He just murdered her in cold blood and then got away. At the hospital? At the hospital. At the hospital. They put the hospital on full lockdown for half the day, but he was already gone. Every He had had a plan. mm -hmm. He had a plan. He knew exactly what he was doing. He is military. He was in the military for 18 years. He was a weapons But that's just crazy. You can just get into a hospital. Like, and I know this happens all the time and it's not okay, Mm -hmm. but it's still sick that you can enter a hospital with a gun and get Mm -hmm. away with it. Like, how do you get through the front doors? It it shouldn't happen, but it still does. It's 2021 and it still happens. He's a surgeon at the hospital. He knows what he can get away with. He knows how he can get in and yeah, out of the hospital. Yeah, he knows the doors to enter, even if they right. did have security and everything. Right. And he knows exactly. He knows where she works. He knows where she will be at certain times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every police agency that could showed up to to help with this manhunt for, for Dr. Jordan. And then for two days, they searched for him. And they weren't able to find him until two days later, he was actually found face down in the brush behind his house near Lake Erie, where he lived. And he was dead by an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm. So he had killed her and then took his own life. So because of that death, we don't, you know, there was no trial. There's no jail time. There's no accountability. He was able to get away with this. And what happens, uh, you know, in these situations, this person wants to control this woman so badly, so badly that they're willing to throw their entire life away just to have that control. It's unbelievable. And it's crazy how often this happens. Yeah. This is not an unusual story. One in four women in the United States experiences intimate partner violence in their lifetime at some point. Domestic violence is very common. It's way too common of an occurrence in our society today. 
we talk about it a lot, obviously, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's it's unbelievable to me. I have to put these types of stories aside because there are so many of them. Because I, I could talk about this every single week. I, I feel like and never talk about anything else. That's how often it happens. And that's just by medical professionals. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just men against women. It's there are obviously time I mean, I've, we've talked about the suitcase murder, the nurse that killed her husband. Most of the time when it's female against male, it's a lot of times it's money related. Mm-hmm. It does happen. The controlling aspect definitely happens, of course. But it's just that the majority, the vast majority of the time, it's men against it's male against female. And it's just trying to control a woman who's trying to leave. It's so sad. So after the murder, Jackie's family set up a scholarship fund for her son. How, oh gosh, it's just awful to think about her son uh, growing up without her. New York State also passed Jackie's law to help law enforcement crack down on GPS-style stalking. So something good came out of it, at least. Yeah, something yeah. good. But then we're still having, you know, shootings in hospitals all the time. And, you know, you violence against healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. So, although progress has made, we're not there yet. No, and we have to keep talking about it. We have to keep, keep it, you know, we have to keep this out in front of us, yeah. discussing it so that we are aware. Um, I feel like if people who are in this situation, men, women, whoever, if you're in a situation in a controlling, toxic relationship, it's important to get out early because yeah. the longer you stay in, the more entangled it becomes. And the if this person does have mental health issues, I feel like the, the deeper and deeper they get into it, the worse it's going to get. Right. And w- you start seeing those warning signs get out right. early. And often they do have some sort of mental health. We don't know if he had PTSD from being a veteran. We don't know if he had un- underlying psychiatric issues or a personality mm-hmm. disorder. But regardless, if you see those warning signs, you know what I mean? Like you have to get out. You can't be the one to save that person. No. Nope. And this is in no, by no means victim blaming. I no, 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 no. Not never, by, no, ever. No. It is absolutely not her fault. No, no. She, she did everything she could. And I'm not trying I'm to just, rationalize his behavior either. No. I'm no. just saying we don't know under underlying, we don't know the backstory to his story. It, I think it is helpful to look back on a situation and just try to learn, is there something yeah. that in the future we could tell people uh, yeah. to help yeah. Yeah, to absolutely. prevent this from happening? I think Jackie would have wanted that. And and I think it's 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 necessary and, and maybe it could save someone's life. Mm-hmm. There, there are a few hotlines, the domestic violence hotline, is www.thehotline.org, the suicide hotline. Of course, we've talked about that many times also, 1-800-273-8255. And there's the National Center for PTSD, ptsd.va.gov, and then Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which is samhsa.gov. Um, the phone number there is 1-800-662-HELP. And we will put all of these on um, our website under this episode, so you should be able to find those if you're if you're listening to this and you want any of that information. Wow, that was heavy. I'm that sorry. Was a heavy story. <laughs> so, Let's talk something good. I need something yeah, good. Definitely, it's heavy, but it's important. It and is. It, needs, it is important. And it needs to be talked. And her about, story yeah. needs to be told because mm-hmm. something good has to come of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think we have to. We have to kind of um, be willing to talk about these things. I think a lot of times people are just like, why do you want to focus on negative? Why do you want to talk about the, you know, why do you want to have a bad nurse story? You know, yeah. although because I think it, most people listen to the story and it, it affects I, everyone. It, yeah. And sometimes I look at the uh, the analytics that we get and I can tell people are only listening. Yeah, I'm only listening to the bad nurse story. I know what you're doing. So <laughs> I'm like, look I mean, at that. I'm like, cut stuff. <laughs> Y'all, come on. There's some good stuff here. <laughs> I'm not saying the good nurse stories aren't good. I just love the cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, I think, I feel like women, and I I, I don't know, if, if, I, I guess I'll speak for, for myself. Yeah. I think that I am fascinated with true crime stories because somehow it, it I feel like I'm arming myself with knowledge, you know, yeah. like yeah. knowledge is power. Um, you, 
you hear something that can happen and you just think, what can I do to prevent that happening to me? Or yep. uh, what can I talk to someone else about, you know, and prevent this from happening to someone else? Um, my husband and I, uh, hello, Tina Tangent alert. Um, my husband and I went to, <laughs> I went, to see, <laughs> went to see a movie and it was a, Surround. Uh, it was a uh, about world. I believe it was World War One or World War Two. It was a really graphic, dark movie, but it was so moving. It was just. But at the end, my husband goes, "I hate movies like that," and I'm like, "I know it was dark and sad, but it told those men's that those men that went through all of that, they died out there on the battlefield, like going through that whole story." And I'm really happy to hear the story, to know that they, you know, Mm -hmm. their story is being told and I got to hear it and kind of feel that sadness for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. That's, that's, it's human. It's real life. Yeah. Not everything is rainbows and sunshine and unicorns. Like nursing sure ain't. (laughs) I mean, in back in high school, I was actually stalked. I mean, by an ex-boyfriend and like Mm -hmm. he tried to put my head through the car window. So yeah. And both of my parents are in medicine and it was one of those situations where like he was older than me and my parents were like, you can't see him anymore. And I'm like, okay, so it's over. And he followed me around town, Mm -hmm. like from work. I mean, I worked at my dad's office and I mean, I was in a pageant at the time and he showed up at the photographers and I was picking stuff up and that's that's when he showed up. And I mean, if if that individual wasn't, it's a small town where, where I'm at and the photographer is actually someone who went to high school and school with my mom. So they kind of knew what was going on and what was happening in my situation. If they wouldn't come out, who knows what would have happened to me? I mean, I could have been bag tagged and in a landfill somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, his family talked to him and my family did as well. And I don't want to talk too much about that, but I mean, I'm an individual who was affected by that. And so I I have a, maybe that's why I think that, you know, a different way or I see things from a different perspective. But in this specific story with Jackie, it's like, you do feel helpless in a sense that like, there's nothing that you can really do. Like, I mean, you try to put your head on a swivel and always know what's going on, you know, and I'm a big advocate of everybody knowing where I go. So it's just, that's been ingrained in me because that's what happened to me when I was 17 years old. So I do think that we need stricter laws against stalking and against, I feel like there is no recourse sometimes for people just like that situation we're talking about, Kristen. You're, there's no recourse until they've done something. Yeah, and how right. ridiculous is that? Why does it have to get to that point? Yeah, because you know, if you yell fire in a in a crowded building, that's against the law. Yeah, and yet yeah. you didn't actually do anything to hurt anyone. No, you just yelled the word. There you go. So and maybe why you have is it legal syndrome and you can't help but yell words? Yeah, you have Tourette's and you. I wasn't going to say yell it. fire. <laughs> but, I mean, but no, yeah. that's true. Why? Is it that there are certain things that are that are illegal that don't actually cause physical yeah. harm, mm-hmm. uh, but they're words that people choose to use because there are, there there is a potential action behind them or there is mm-hmm. um, there are consequences to those words? Why uh, would stalking uh, not fall in, into that category? Why do we not have? Because I feel like that it's a it's a slippery slope that happens with these people um, who are so controlling and who feel rejected and who are mm-hmm. just angry. But if they, if they know there's consequences and they're, and they're, you know, arrested and they can feel the consequences early on enough before they spiral too far. Right. Maybe they, it'll be a wake up call to them before they let themselves get to that point yeah. that they just don't care about even their own lives at this yeah, point. Right, right. Cause I mean, and honestly, this individual had all those, all the makings of that tendency from a broken family, had all these issues, psychological, like underlining stuff that come to find out later. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right because. What if that's something that could have been nipped in the bud and curbed at an, at an early age? Then, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that this person's out killing people, not that I know of, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
they try to rehab individuals in prison and set them free and back out into society. But what if we got ahead of it instead of, what if we were proactive instead of retroactive? Right. Yeah. Well, I guess we can talk about our good nurse story. I'm excited about this one yeah, this is because a good one. I was kind of surprised when I stumbled upon her. I I was just looking for a good nurse story to talk about. We have been, uh, just a, this whole past year, we've been trying to highlight Black voices and lift Black voices and just sort of, sort of just in our own way, uh, talk about different people of color each week who've done things, maybe doctors, maybe nurses, just different people in the medical field. And so when I was looking for a good nurse, I stumbled on this article that talked about intersectionality. Mm. And I'd never, I, I, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but I had never heard of that before. And so I just started reading the article as I do go down a rabbit hole when I'm trying to do research for things like this. <laughs> and so I started reading like, what is this intersectionality? What does this mean? And so while reading about this, I saw uh, there was a, a reference to our good nurse that uh, we're going to be talking about. And so I thought that the idea of intersectionality was interesting. And so I wanted to share that just as sort of a little um, prelude to talking about our good nurse. So intersectionality, just to sort of give you a little bit of an idea of what that is. This is February, it's Black History Month. So I think it's okay. I mean, who cares? It's my yeah. podcasting talk, whatever I want to, right? But um, <laughs> Black women fall into this area where they can be discriminated against for being Black women. Not just being Black, not just being women, but being Black women. And they're not protected under the law. Their rights as a person of color are protected. Their rights as women are protected. But when those two intersect, the origin of discrimination can become blurred and there is not specific protection for them as Black women. So just to give you an example of that, because it, it's a little confusing when I was reading it, I was like, what does this mean? It sounds like, well, if a, if a Black person is protected, uh, as, or as a person of color, if you're protected, and, and then as a woman, you're protected, how could Black women not be protected? That, that's confusing, you know, right? So just as an example, imagine there's a company of 10,000 employees. And by law, that company cannot choose to not hire someone based on their race, right? Mm -hmm. They have to, they can't discriminate against people based on race. Mm -hmm. So 50% of that company's employees are people of color. No one's going to come along and say, hey, you are discriminating against people based on their race um, when when it comes to hiring people. Because you're not going to accuse them of that when 50% of the people that work there are people of color. So then imagine that same company having the other 50% of the company are women. So it would be obvious to everyone that they don't discriminate against people as they're hiring them based on their gender, right? Because half of the people that work there are women. But what if all of the people of color that work at this place, you know, the 10,000 employees are men? Mm. Yes. And all of the females are white. And you might think, okay, well, that's ridiculous. Why would that happen? Well, think about it this way. Back in, if this, and, and this is all hypothetical, and yet, could it happen? Could it have happened? Absolutely. Back in yeah. 1960, this company of 10,000 employees, think, I don't know, General Motors, whatever. They're being, this, this company is being run by all white men. All the employees in the company are white at this point. Civil Rights Act comes along and says, hey, you know what? You can no longer discriminate against people who are applying to work at your company based on race or gender. So now all of the white guys who are running this company say, okay, fine, we'll hire, we'll hire black people and we'll hire women. But there's nothing that says that we have to hire black women. We can hire black people or we can hire people of color and we can hire women. And so what do people tend to do? It's sort of human nature to want to be around people who kind of look like you. And so that's, that's literally what happens any, in general anyway. 
if you take mm-hmm. racism out of it at all, which it's always there, but just if you want to just try to remove it and pretend like it's not, people just, it, it's just natural to want to be around people that look like you. And so these white men are hiring other white men. You know, they, they don't want women in there. They don't want people of color because they don't look like them. But now, okay, you have to. So fine, we have to hire people of color. Well, we're at least going to hire men who are people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but you have to hire women too. Okay, fine, we'll hire women, but we're, we're going to hire white women. And it's not necessarily even a conscious thing that happens. It just yeah. happens. Meanwhile, you have black women applying for these jobs and getting turned down not getting over anything. and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have black women been discriminated against in this situation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for But sure. do they have a voice? No, they don't have a voice because th- black women being turned down at one after another after another, and they say, you are discriminating against me because I'm a black woman. And they go to court and this happened. General Motors, it happened. They went to court. And the judge said, no, you were not discriminated against because you're a woman. There are plenty of women that work for General Motors. You are not discriminated against. Right. You're not discriminated against because you're black. There are plenty of black people that work for General Motors. But they didn't look at the and, only the or. Well, what they said is you you can't put black women into their own category. Mm. That's what the judge said. That's why they don't feel like they have a voice. So I, when I read that, I was just like, whoa. I mean, it was just one mo- a moment in time for me personally that was very awakening and just like, I've never even thought of that before. And I wanted to share it with anyone that's listening to this, just so you can have that moment too. And you can just like hear, hear an experience that people are, are our um, sisters, people that are all around us are experiencing all the time and we don't, we're not aware of it or I wasn't aware of it. You have to think about it too and carry that over, not just in employment opportunities, but think about it from like a college standpoint as well. Like, I mean, even, okay, let's break it down to what we do, right? Nursing school. So what if nursing school, I mean, essentially they've got to do the same thing with meeting their minority thresholds. Essentially that's, I mean, to, to just put it bluntly, that's what it is, right? But I mean, it makes me sad to think about that and even to try to apply it to that situation because then what are you doing for that that whole population? Yeah. It has been overlooked. And I think that we're we are living in a time right now where people of color are being more and more um empowered and emboldened and celebrated and it's uh the the tide is turning and things are changing. Uh, but I, I feel like we, I, as a white person, a white female, I feel like I have a responsibility to try to have this conversation with people as, as often as I can, as scary as it kind of is. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. Yeah, it is um, tough. It's, it's a scary conversation mm-hmm. to have because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want right. to just, you put yourself out there and you make yourself mm-hmm. a target because you can, I mean, we are we all have prejudices inside of, of us course. because of our life experiences. Yes, what we stereotypes are everywhere for a reason because it's what it's what we've experienced. Our mind wants to categorize everyone. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's easy to quote be racist without even know knowing yeah. that you're being racist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I and think so, as, you know, as a white woman, it's important to, you know, educate yourselves and, and you know, learn about these things so that you can, like, mm-hmm. check what are my underlying, you know, prejudices? What are my underlying privileges that I don't even realize I have, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's, it's important to just check yourself and just, you know, be appreciative, but also advocate for for your fellow people right. of color. And, and not only that, but be aware of what's going on in yeah. the current climate. And, you know, even if it's, even if it's a little thing, you're still, still be vigilant and aware, aware in your vigilance. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Um, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I want uh, this podcast to bring healthcare 
people together, mm-hmm. people right. in the healthcare community together. And politics, unfortunately, can be very divisive and it can cause people to just turn off and not want to right. listen to what you say if they detect, oh, you're on that side, and which I'm honestly, I've never been on a side. So yeah, same. <laughs> that, because I, I do sort of fall in the middle somewhere where I want to consider the whole picture and both sides of an issue. And mm-hmm. so when you do that, you end up being kind of lonely because then you get everybody mad at you. You get right. you know, 50% yeah. of the population that think one way and the other 50 think the other. And if you don't fall firmly in their, in their category, sometimes they're just right. like, well, if you're not with us, you're, you're against, against us. us. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that goes back to what I was saying with like the whole cancel culture. Like if you don't agree with what someone's saying, then you're completely obsolete. Your opinion doesn't Mm -hmm. matter and nobody needs to hear from you. That's unfortunate because how much can we learn by reaching across the aisle, right? That's what Mm -hmm. they say all the time. Or just having sitting down and having a true and real conversation, not fueled or gaslit or I, I, Mm -hmm. I don't think I said that word right, but you know what I mean? And just sit mm-hmm. there and, and have a real conversation because at the end of the day, you know, my opinion may not be the same as Hannah's or yours, but that's okay because we're adults and we can have an adult conversation and not feel like I have to wipe you off the face of the earth like you've never existed because you have an opinion outside of mine. Well, not that change saying, will never happen if we can't right. talk to each other. If right. I can't sit, sit here and say something stupid or ignorant because I didn't know any better, um, then I'm gonna never going to learn. Right. Exactly, exactly. And if you feel like you're too afraid to say something or have a conversation or even approach someone with a different point of view, then you'll you'll never learn. Mm. And we also won't ever change either. I mean, as a society. Well, I want to try to uh, have a little more courage than that and try to speak up and uh hope that people will forgive me when I say ignorant things. I know I say ignorant things because I know things that I... I'm not saying, of course, you say ignorant things. I'm saying, of course, I I also... Of course, I've heard some things you said I know. Your podcast (laughs) very ignorant. Girl, you got some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love her. (laughs) I tell Hannah the same thing all the time. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But About me. no, I think that it's very true. And we, uh, I, I just, I want to try to just, rather than hiding from it, you know, and cowering and, and being afraid to say anything, I want to try to be stronger. I don't, I still don't want to necessarily get into real controversial political yeah. issues, but um, I feel like it shouldn't be controversial when we're talking about standing up for other people who have clearly been oppressed. I agree. That yeah. should. Why would that? It shouldn't that be. Should it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. No. So I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to be afraid anymore to say that. I've, and I haven't been for a while. For the past several months, I've been, um, not that I was ever really afraid, but I just didn't bring it into yeah. the discussion. And then mm-hmm. I just got, I just kind of just started bringing it into the discussion and it's just, it's been fine. No, I haven't. If anything, so uh, at one point I did one of the stories and I don't even remember which one. I did a story about a, a good nurse story about a, a person of color, a black woman. I don't remember who it was. And I got a really amazing email from someone who said, I just want to let you know I'm a black woman and I heard you talking about the story and I heard you being careful and I heard you being respectful. And how uh, she said, I just want you to know that I appreciated that so much, and Aww, I love that. I, it made it made my day I, I, because I it, it it empowered me really and emboldened me, and I just went, I need to do this more. If this person listened to that and it meant something to them, mm-hmm. because one one thing that I have learned in talking to people like Erica Bailey with the Nurses of Color Collective that she's uh, creating. And with my friend Q and all of the different friends that I have, they're people of color. One thing that I've learned from talking to them is that they're exhausted. Mm. They're tired of having to be their own mouthpiece. They're tired of having to fight for just basic rights. Yeah. And, t- and they're tired of having to explain things to white people. Yeah. And so even when I was doing this story, I was really, I, I caught myself about to email Erica to ask her a question about it. And then I just thought, I don't have to do that. I don't have to put that on her. I don't need to email her and ask her a question. I am 
smart enough to do my research and find out this about you know myself. And that's why I I took it took me all day, and I I <laughs> wanted to understand what this intersectionality was, and put it into to uh, I guess terms that I I could explain to where it made sense. Mm-hmm. And that story, you know, of the a hypothetical company to me made the most sense. So that's yeah. what I feel like. Uh, I I just want to I want to continue to do this and continue to have this conversation. And it's it is Black History Month. It's certainly appropriate to maybe spend a few extra minutes talking about it. But having said all that, this article referenced. Sojourner Truth, which uh, everyone knows who Sojourner Truth is, I think, or at least you know the name. The name is familiar, and you uh, you know that she had something to do with, uh, you know, she was an abolitionist, and, and you know she was civil uh, for civil rights, and she she you knew that she was a women's right, rights activist. That somehow her name has to ring a bell, and I would think most, at least most women's um, memories. So. I read this excerpt in this article and I just got chills. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this woman. It, it's just amazing just to read this little tiny part of this I ain't a woman speech or ain't I a woman speech that she did. And then I went and Googled her because I thought, please let her be a nurse or something and I could just talk about her. I wanted to talk about her so bad. And lo and behold, she was a nurse. She was not a trained nurse, but she... Is considered a uh, was considered a nurse. She was a nurse for the family, a family that she worked for. That's so I was awesome. really excited to get to talk about this. But she was a, an African American woman. She was probably best known for being an abolitionist and women's rights activist. But she was also an evangelist. Um, she was also an author, and as I said, an untrained nurse. She had a very difficult start to life. Mm-hmm. Of course, she was born into slavery. Mm-hmm. She was born Isabella Balmfree in 1797 in the state of New York. She was torn from her family. Um, unfortunately, that was very common, um, the young age of nine. She was passed from slave owner to slave owner until she ended up with a man named DeMont. And he promised her that he would free her by a certain date, but then that date came and went, and he did not honor his word. So she planned an escape. She escaped from him and fled to another county there in New York State with her baby daughter. She had to leave her other children behind because he oh. owned them and she wasn't oh, able to get away from them. Terrible. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. She found a family when she moved to this other county who took her in. They were Christians. They helped her. When Dumont tracked her down and tried to take her back, they paid him for her to be able to stay with them. They paid him $20 so that she could remain free from him. And they also helped her sue him because he sold her five-year-old son, Peter, after the New York anti-slavery law passed. So that was illegal for him to do. And so she, with the help of of this family sued him and she won her case and she became the that's first black woman incredible. to sue a white man. Yeah. Yeah. To sue I a white man that. in the United like, States. That's, and my, mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of the whole story. <laughs> Cause I'm like, stick it to him. Yeah. She did, but she, it's so sad because of the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, no, it's all that was, that's her baby. You know yeah. I mean? Yes. That's a huge step and, and that's a historical landmark, but the circumstances surrounding that. I mean, in the end, if I always play that what if game, if it wouldn't have gone in her favor, what kind of can of worms would that have opened up for the Mm. rest? You you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I see both sides to it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I see a side where I I would not have blamed, been able, I would not blame her if she had just stayed with with DeMont from the beginning right. because she was the, not kids. Yeah. brave enough to leave her children and she was brave enough to do that because she it's not like she just you know left them and went to live and you know a life of luxury no, she yeah. worked no. the rest of her life to help people and in 19 or in 1829 she moved to New York City with her son Peter the one that that was um, that her, DeMont yeah. attempted to to, to sell and uh, she worked for a housekeeper, worked as a housekeeper for an evangelist there. And she became very um, 
vigilant as an evangelist herself. And she changed her name to Sojourner Truth and started preaching the gospel and speaking out against slavery and oppression. And she was so brave. In 1844, she joined the likes of leading abolitionist Frederick Douglass. We talked about Frederick Douglass, not this Frederick Douglass. We talked about another one who was um, who was in the medical field. And her career as an equal rights activist began. So in 1851, she spoke out at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention about equal rights for Black women. And that's when she did the famous Ain't I a Woman speech. And at the time, there were a lot of white women who were very popular um, women's rights activists who really did not want her speaking out about Black women in particular because they felt like it was going to detract from their movement. Mm-hmm. Which is right sad, but yeah, they didn't want it to become a race issue. Right, they wanted to keep the focus on women's rights, and they were afraid. No, if you start talking about black women in particular, well, isn't, isn't that, that what's happened? Though? Because right. they were trying to get their, they were trying to fight for their rights. However, mm-hmm. they it was okay for them to oppress their equal. Yeah, is it, I mean, on that's again, I'm blind. Yeah. So essentially. It's, because yeah. it, it was going to get in the way of what they wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Mm. Well, right. It's the hypocrisy of yes. that is sort of likened to when Americans were fighting for their freedom in the Revolutionary War. At the same time, they had slaves who were not free. Yeah. You know, and they were saying we were all created equal, and yet not treating everyone as equal. So that's just, that hypocrisy is just something that's always existed. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to just read this little excerpt that this. gave yeah, me chills. So this is what uh, Sojourner, this is a little portion of the, the, the speech that she gave um, at this convention. She said, that man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches, and to have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or mud puddles or gives me any best place. Ain't I I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I could have plowed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I could work as much and eat as much as any man when I could get it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen them most all sold off to slavery. Mm. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? (laughs) Just so powerful. It is, yeah. So powerful. It's like just kind of pointing out the absolute hypocrisy of saying, oh, but you're just, you're a delicate woman. You can't open your own door. You're a delicate woman. You can't help yourself into a carriage. You're a delicate woman. And yet the very same, at the very same time, black women were not treated that way. Yeah. And it wasn't just a class thing. I mean, this, no. women of all classes were treated like that. Like you, you know, you can't get yourself dirty or you can't, you know, do anything for yourself. You can't do hard labor. So... I thought that that speech was amazing. Uh, that little excerpt was yeah, beautiful, no, moving, and mm-hmm. and I just loved it. She helped recruit black soldiers during the Civil War. Harriet Tubman did the same thing. She worked in Washington, D.C. for the National Freedmen's Relief Association. I remember when I talked about Harriet, Harriet Tubman that she did that as well. And she rallied people to donate food, to um, donate clothes and other supplies to black refugees. And so uh, another really cool quote from her that I absolutely love. (laughs) She said, then that little man in black there, he says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did your Christ come from? Where did Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. Mm. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Is it not? So she continued to speak out against discrimination and in favor of women's uh, suffrage until she died. It bothered her that 
uh, men like Frederick Douglass felt equal rights for black men was more important than than rights of black women. And I don't know. And I, I I've ta- like I said, I've I've done a lot of research on a lot of these different people, and I don't think that they necessarily thought, oh, black women don't need equal rights. I think that they were probably just like, oh, we got to focus on this for now and we'll worry about that later, maybe, you know? Yeah. Just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. Um, But what Sojourner Truth said was, no, we're going to worry about this now and I want to talk about it now. And I think that by her being willing to do that and working her entire life to help others and to get that message out there, she made a difference for people. And we're still talking about her today, all these years later. Yeah. Yeah, she died on November twenty sixth, eighteen eighty three. So, according to the some records, she was eighty six. Her tombstone says she was one hundred and five. So I don't, Hmm. I don't know how old she was, but she lived. She lived a good long eight, a a good long time. And she had a lot of children. (laughs) Yeah, and she had a. So I, I'm, I'm a person of faith. So I'm a big believer that this woman, she, I mean, think about it back then, she probably didn't have the best health care. If anything, it was a family member or someone who was in the same area as her helping her deliver 13 children. Right. And I mean, you got to think what all the issues that she health wise could have faced. This woman had a purpose in her life and God had had a special purpose for her. Because think about it. I couldn't do 13 kids. I'd die after the third. (laughs) She said, I'd die after the third. (laughs) And that's with the epidural. (laughs) Yeah. And the hot, you know what I'm saying though? Like this was a strong woman. And it's the truth though. Like she had a purpose. Yeah. And And ain't she a woman? Because. Yes. I love it. I'd die after the third child. Oh. Me up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the truth, though. Oh, I mean, Lord have mercy. <laughs> but that goes to show you too how much <laughs> times have changed as well. Because I, I mean, I'm just in awe of her completely. So I, uh, sorry, you guys. I was trying to find a meme. I wanted to try to start something. Uh, I've been meaning to want to do it for months, and I've been meaning to want to do it for months. That didn't make any sense. Whatever. Okay, I'm, I got you. I'm gonna stop. I have 13 <laughs> kids too. <laughs> Just kidding. I have, thir- I have 17 children. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't. Oh, I, I have three. Like, oh. <laughs> oh. And I'm going to go like what? 13. And you're still able to have Disconnect. a coherent thought. That's no, amazing. I'm just kidding. How do you have time for a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I, I just hide three. myself in the basement and pretend like they're not here. I'm kidding. Oh. No, that's not true. So, but I, what I wanted to, I've been wanting to try to uh, like, do this thing at the end of our uh, at the end of the podcast where I find a funny meme that I that just made me laugh out loud and just kind of visually talk about it. Um, if it's something that I could that you can sort of describe on a podcast because not all of them you can, but um, <laughs> I found Some this one that just <laughs> not all. Yeah, this is a clean. This is a family <laughs> podcast, so. but uh, I found this one and it, there. I'll just have to kind of describe it to you guys. Um, But it is a man who is like clearly at a grocery store in like the, the, the vegetable aisle, like the fresh vegetable aisle. And this woman is standing there with her cart and she looks at him and she says, hi there. And he says, do you know me? And she says, I think you're the father of one of my kids. And he says, are you the stripper from the bachelor party that I made love to on the pool table with all my buddies watching while your partner whipped my butt with, the wet, with wet celery? I said this was clean. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get 13 kids right there. Woo! <laughs> and, the woman says, and the woman says, no, I'm your son's teacher. <laughs> We love that. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, the first That's... time I saw that meme, I just absolutely so was. Cr- well, I'm crying right now, laughing about it. But this one's crying too. <laughs> I gotta use that one. That's a good one. 
It's so cute. Maybe I can do a little clip and um, I'll put the actual meme in the video and we can put this. Um, I would love that. I love doing the little videos. (laughs) She said it's horribly funny. Oh, it's, uh, what's hilarious is I'm just like, yeah, this is a family podcast. Yeah, and then like, I, start oh, I was like, oh. <laughs> so I do you, were you were you the stripper on the pool table with the celery? Excuse me. <laughs> I it was, all I knew is I laughed hysterically when I read it, and then when I just now read it out loud, I'm thinking, ooh, okay, it's Ooh-hoo. got a little racier than I thought. <laughs> yeah, see, I used to do jokes too in the um, like surgical suite in the OR when I worked, um, like pre-surgical, pre-op, and pack you. But they were always like corny jokes, like, you know, cardiac arrest with the heart being taken off by the police or, you know, <laughs> what's humorous. Not the stripper joke. I should have tried that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Might have hit too close to home for some of my coworkers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not kidding. That's the greatest part. <laughs> no. Everybody's got to make money somehow, you know? Yeah, it's that's true. Don't judge sex work. Very true. Don't try. No, don't I, judge. I meant like um, teaching children. Oh. <laughs> 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 so many misunderstandings. Oh, <laughs> this is a family friendly podcast. <laughs> oh, this part's getting edited out. No, just kidding. So family friendly. <laughs> Oh, gosh. This has been a lot oh. of fun. Yeah. This has been enjoyed this Oh, a my lot. gosh. You guys remind everybody where they can find you. Yes. Yeah. So we're on all podcast platforms, um, Nurses in the Know, or we're on um, all social media. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Nurses No Show. You guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, we've had a blast. Hopefully, you come back and do it again. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. We're always down. I'm all about this. Well, you guys know you can find us at goodnursebadnurse.com and you can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com and give me your ideas and your feedback and um, you can slap my hand. You guys do it all the time. It's fine. I understand. I, I'll take I can take it. I'm getting stronger every day because of your some of your emails. Most of you are super nice and sweet and I appreciate you. So, but also you can find us on Instagram at goodnursebadnurse or Twitter and Facebook minimally at GNBN Podcast. <laughs> and also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. I love that. <laughs> All done. Bye.